1: Here we go. They don't make them any bigger than this one. That would be Saturday night, 8-15, inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. I'm Kevin Bowen, Eddie Garrison. With me, as always, we're back. Edition of Kevin's Corner a little bit later in the week. Uh, And as we look at it, heading into Saturday night, I think the injury report situation certainly favors Indy much more than Houston. We'll dive into that on the podcast. And just kind of crazy to think, Eddie, we will recap a little bit of the Raiders, but focus certainly much more on the win and get in Saturday night. But, you know, as we record this, it is the 10-year anniversary of Colts Chiefs' comeback playoff win. Obviously, uh, one of, I, I think, probably the most iconic moment inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. I guess you can maybe argue a Peyton Manning return game. Uh, but certainly that game and that comeback spoke for itself. Uh, you fast-forward one year from that, that's the last time the Colts have played a, you know, home playoff game, and in my opinion, this is the biggest game this stadium has seen in nine years. So cannot wait for Saturday night, sir.
0: Yeah, I cannot wait either. Wish I could be in attendance, but had to give up the ticket.
1: You got a busy slate Saturday, right? You got a little Pacers Celtics at seven, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: It is quite the weekend here in Indy.
0: Did you have a good uh, vacation?
1: I did. Yeah, it was nice to uh nice to get away. I am very happy, though, that my diet will not consist of beer and rum and fried food, though, for the next week. So uh, I am a little run down on that part of it. But no, the kids I'm actually
0: sure, loved it. And I'm sure your bank nice account is it. also loving it.
1: Yes, that would be another thing to add on that. And it's funny, though, I, I felt myself, you know, certainly Sunday, you're know, getting into, I, I guess really Sunday, you know, pretty much once maybe the Bengals game ended. It was like, all right, here you go. Uh, this is going to be pretty simple Saturday night. So. Um, cannot wait for that. I do want to mention just a couple things from the from the Raiders game, if I could, uh, before we get into Colts and Texans. Offensively, for me, the difference in the game, Eddie. I thought, first off, I thought you did a nice job on Max Crosby. You know, he he flashed early and. Honestly, he flashed right before the Matt Gay missed field goal.
0: I would say nice job is probably an understatement. Only one quarterback hit.
1: Right, right, right. You know, he had the stunt that kind of led to the sack early. And then, you know, he had the big tackle for loss right before the field goal. You know, if Matt Gay missed that field goal and the Raiders come back and win, you kind of circle that. I mean, that's one that, you know, he just barely missed. And obviously, what, a three-yard loss in that play was a huge difference. But, yeah, I mean, for for, for certainly the most part, um, you did a nice job on him. But I want to single out Gardner Minshew. I thought he created for you. You know, when you think of backup quarterbacks, a lot of it is playing within the system, game manager, you know, those sorts of things. Don't kind of screw it up. And I thought, again, he created for you a trio of big third and fourth down plays that he made, and all of them were meaningful on scoring drives. The first big play of the game, the third down to Josh Downs. Um, That looks like it could be a three and out early on in the game. You step up in the pocket, you roll to your right, boom, there's downs. Open, 50-yarder, huge play. You score off that. And you take a lead, Eddie, that you really had for, what, 50-some minutes, 57, 58 minutes, whatever it was, uh, throughout. The next big play, obviously he missed Pierce early on. He gets another chance to find him. It's the third and one. You know, that's one of those plays throughout the week that you know you're – or the hope is you're getting cover zero. The hope is you're getting man. What does that mean? You're going to have pressure. Somebody's going to be in your face. Um, The pocket's probably not going to be crystal clear. And for you to step up and make that throw with pressure in his face and deliver – I mean, Pierce didn't have to break stride.
2: No.
0: That
1: was a great, great deep ball. uh, Perfectly to Pierce. Gave Alec, obviously, a chance to let him, you know, create separation – and then hit that deep ball. And, you know, that was at that time in the game where it was like, man, the Raiders are kind of controlling field position. The Raiders are having all these drives get to Indy territory, and then they just can't convert a third and one or fourth and one to save their lives for a variety of reasons. Um, They tried to take a shot deep on one of those third and ones, and they couldn't hit that either. I thought that was a huge sequence of the Raiders' inability to convert and your ability to create the big play because – You weren't driving methodically. You know, you had had that rut there. I think it was three straight drives of maybe one first down at one point there. So I thought that was huge. And then, Eddie, the last play I'll mention for Minshew, the fourth down to Michael Pittman. Uh, Second half, one possession game. Again, you're trying to get that lead to two scores. Uh, the play doesn't go as necessarily executed. Granson and Pittman, you know, have the little rub route. You don't really get either of them free, and that was with Max Crosby in his face, and he just gave Pittman a chance there. And, and simply, I thought that you know, it's a fourth down. Give your guys a chance on that play. He did it to Pittman. Pittman did a great job of locating the ball for that first down. Uh, so Minshew, the creator, I thought that really stood out to me.
0: I think defensively, I. Th- uh, compared to how they performed against Atlanta in terms of giving up, you know, explosive plays, they did a really, really good job of containing Zamir White. His longest rush in the game was nine yards. Didn't really open up the play action as much as Vegas was probably hoping so. But overall, I thought the defense had a a solid game as well.
1: Yeah, and I want to single out Eddie, the young secondary, because when you think back to the end of the week and Kenny Moore. Being that late scratch, I mean, hell, he he worked out before the game. You know, there was a thought that maybe he could still give it a go.
0: Chris LeMond's got the start correct,
1: right? And Lamont's I think, had played thirty-two combined defensive snaps in the last four years. So all of a sudden, late week switch there, and that's where Tony Brown's role, you know, would normally be. And then you move Ronnie Harrison to safety. You bench Ronnie Thomas, the the the, the Ronnie Thomas the second. You bench him, so you start Nick Cross next to Ronnie Harrison Jr., I mean, think about that. It's a guy that has been a linebacker for the last few months, playing safety, a dude that hasn't really played extensively for about a year and a half in Nick Cross, and still a second-year guy, making, what, his third career start? Mm -hmm. Two rookie outside corners, and then Lamont's at nickel. It wasn't perfect by the group by any means, but I thought they were really competitive at the point of attack. I go back to the Matt Hasselbeck quote that you know he says so often about you know he wants to see how receivers react at the moment of truth You know the moment of truth is the ball's in the air who's going to make a play George Pickens, Nick Cross, who's going to make a play uh, go back to the final play of the Texas-Washington game, who's going to make a play right there, a 50-50 ball who's going to snatch it out, and I thought the young secondary Eddie for the most part, held their own now you fast forward to this Saturday and C.J. Stroud is not Aiden O'Connell So, you know, how will they react to that with Kenny Moore back? But, you know, it probably will be Ronnie Harrison Jr., uh, you know, still back there, of course. That is a question that we'll get into here in a few minutes. Um, Sure, Jalen Jones had a pass interference penalty, and there were moments there, you know, late where maybe some of that soft zone look, the Raiders were able to kind of, you know, move the ball down the field. But I thought when you had the 50-50 balls, you held your own and O'Connell didn't really beat you vertically. There wasn't the bust coverage Mm-mm. over the top that all of a sudden the Raiders struck a big play on there. So
0: There was one, but uh, Nick Cross okay. recovered.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was big a time one down the left sideline. Devontae there.
0: Adams yeah. where he got uh, Jalen Jones with the double move.
1: Right, right, right. So, again, it wasn't perfect. I don't want to act like that, but they're, they were graded, in my opinion, on a, on a little bit of a di- different scale. So just a couple things I wanted to make sure we mention. Colts Raiders wise, um, that obviously sets up the game of the year coming up Saturday night. Anything else, Colts Raiders wise, Eddie? Before we get into Colts Texans,
0: I don't think so. I think I was going to mention something about the tackling because I thought the tackling was much better, even without one of your more sure tacklers. Little,
1: yeah, some but little issues on the first drive, yeah. and then after that, really cleaned it up.
0: Yep, yep. That's all I have left on that.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up
1: And the game of the year then it comes Saturday night. Are you surprised by this line, Eddie Garrison? All of a sudden, shifting a little bit. What am no. I? What am I missing here? It's got a little Falcons Week feel to it. Colts start the week as the favorite, and now shifted the other way.
0: I know initially there was a lot of public money and a lot of money coming in on Houston. I think ninety-eight percent of the bets on the money line and the spread. Um, in the first 24 to 48 hours, we're coming in on the Texans. So about 2% were coming in on the Colts. So uh-huh. I think a lot of that has to do with where the money's coming going, rather than anything specific. So this
1: is all CJ Stroud? belief in that?
0: Uh, I would assume so. I don't know.
1: Because the injury report doesn't you know, indicate exactly. all of a sudden something that you would greatly shift one way or the other. But
0: also at the same time you just mentioned the Atlanta game. Look how that turned out.
1: Right. I know. So that's why it's a bit odd to me. Um, I mean, I think Stroud is damn good. I think he's really, really good. Um, it's probably his presence Eddie is probably the reason why I've thought about picking the Texans so much this week. We'll, we'll give our picks here to end out the show. Outside of Stroud, what's one area that you feel like the Texans are better than the Colts? Because I, I don't know if I see another area where I would say that the Texans are superior to the Colts outside of their quarterback, which I, it's quarterback. <laughs> you know That's right. the one position that obviously has a ton of influence, but I just don't look at it and think, man. You know, I really worry about the Colts O line here. Or, you know what? You know Colts run game here. Or Col-, you know, I, 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 there's nothing that jumps out the page. No, at me. No, with this
0: one. And I mean, Devin Singletary is taking over their backfield now, and it's Damian Pierce. Singletary's had a fine season in rebound year after, not really amassing to anything in Buffalo, but uh, Nico Collins, Dalton Schultz, uh, Noah Brown's on the injury report for Houston. Uh, Bobby Trees, Robert Woods, is also on the injury report. No Tank Dell. So you're looking at the pass-catching group, and you're like, okay, I know Nico Collins had seven for 140 around yeah, that number. Yeah, yeah, and a touchdown. Awesome. But right. like you said, there's not a whole lot outside of Stroud that I would say that they have the advantage.
1: Again, the Tank Dell injury, you know, Noah Brown's banged up. Robert Woods is banged up. You know, To try to put it in Colts' terms, right now you are getting a – As of Thursday morning, final practice of the week is upcoming. The equivalents of these guys have not practiced this week for the Texans Alec Pierce, Josh Downs, DeForest Buckner, Dio Dangbo, Quiddy Pei, and Samson Ebbocom. You imagine the conversation here, Eddie? Yeah. If we were talking about those six guys having not practiced. Now, again, some of them I think. They expect to play. Will Anderson being one of them was on a bit of a pitch count. The Will Anderson numbers from last week are just wild. 12 snaps, mm-hmm. two sacks, and six quarterback pressures. Uh, also, and then Sheldon Rankins missed time last week, but also played in the game. So, again, I would expect some of those six to play, but, man, even Will Anderson on a pitch count. And that, that gets into a little of the chess matchy stuff here of, Twelve snaps. I'd probably have to look deeper into it, Eddie. But I'd assume those twelve snaps were primarily third down, maybe a little red zone. So does that mean you say to yourself, "Hey, Will Anderson's a stud. When he's on the field, should we be thinking twice about passing?" Right. Do you pass on early downs when he's not on the field? Is that something that you try and do? You know, Jerry Hughes out there versus Will Anderson. So I do think that is a little bit of a storyline to
0: watch. Additionally, Laramie Tunsel. The Did left tackle. It. He was a DNP on Tuesday limited yesterday. And he and, exited the Tennessee game. Correct, right? yeah, with a hamstring injury. So, I mean, he is, as they like to say, he's trending in the right direction, but obviously it's a hamstring injury. Those soft tissue injuries yeah. um, can crop up in the middle of a game. So right, that's something right. to monitor as well.
1: And he's been banged up, you know, missed the first matchup. Um, you know, let's go back to the first matchup if you will, Eddie, for a moment. It was over 100 days ago. A lot of the personnel has changed, so I don't want it to dive too much into it. But I thought the biggest difference in the game was your D-line absolutely whipped their offensive line. And again, their O-line was incredibly banged up. But still, I don't look at their O-line and think it's some menacing unit. They've dealt with a lot of attrition throughout the season to that five-man unit. Um, you had six sacks. You had the early strip sack from Ebukam, and I think Dayo Dengbo fell on it. And that was a huge part in building that lead to fourteen nothing. Minshew came in and boom, he led all those scoring drives right away when Anthony Richardson exited. And you know, really a lot of the CJ Stroud numbers, especially late, even the Nico Collins stuff, it was kind of backdoory, like fourth quarter stuff. So I'd like to think from a coverage standpoint you wouldn't be as soft throughout the game as maybe you were in that game. Um But man, I think Stroud is so good. I, I just I, I go back to the Georgia game. I mean, if you want to make the statement, Eddie, I think it's probably fair to make. I mean, hasn't C.J. Stroud been in the bigger game than Gardner Minshew?
0: Oh, yeah. 100%.
1: And go back to the Julian Blackman injury. I think that's such a significant loss. Aiden O'Connell, I don't feel like, can test you. To the level that C.J. Stroud can,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it didn't test you and can't test you is probably the better way to put it. Yeah. So does C.J. Stroud put Ronnie Harrison Jr. in uncomfortable moments? Does he put Nick Cross in moments of you know a bit of conflict of like all right, what do I do here? Where you know where should I go? That I think is a big question, and that's why I say so much of the onus is on your D line to do the heavy lifting, to try to create some pressure early on. In in plays, so then Stroud can't sit back there and pick you apart. Because I mean, he he's right. He called himself a ball placement specialist at the combine. And he's damn right. Oh yeah. If you give him time, he's a surgeon. He he's, he's Michael Penix against Texas. I mean, he is a surgeon. The ball placement will be all over the field, and it will get it will look ugly for you if you allow that to happen. One player that did not play in that Week 2 matchup I think is a really good player for the Texans It doesn't get maybe a lot of notoriety maybe in our market is Jalen Petre uh, their young safety. Oh, yeah. Uh, very playmaking guy. Again, we've seen the Colts protect it fairly well here as of late. Um, I do think he's a guy to watch in this one. And then obviously you can't let Will Anderson make a play. Uh, let me throw something at you, Eddie. Feel free to disagree, agree with it. Maybe the sample size is too small. But in the last 12 months, we've seen Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryan square off twice. Uh, The Eagles scored 31 points against the 49ers in the NFC title game. Mm -hmm. And in week two, the Colts scored 31 points against D'Amico Ryan's. Does Shane Steichen have D'Amico Ryan's number? Or is the sample size too small?
0: I'd say the sample size is too small. I would say if he does it again, then you could probably say he has his number.
1: Yeah, and, and I think the fact that you say that, Eddie, there's reason to bring it up. I mean, that's you know, very different personnel, obviously in those two matchups. Thirty-one points is a, is a pretty nice number, and I don't know if we brought it up on the podcast. I think I brought it up on the show last week. And shout out to Zach Boyd, who um, always been so just such a nice dude to me. Oh I mean, yeah, great does, guy. Does just just. Just great work and really enjoy his friendship. He texted me, I guess it probably would have been a couple weeks ago now. It might have been before the Falcons game. And he's like, you find it odd that the Colts have beaten like all these defensive coaches this season? And I started to kind of think about it. I'm like, damn, you know, when you look at it, they really have beaten the defensive coaches and lost to the offensive coaches. Dennis Allen is the one defensive coach that has beaten them. The one offensive coach they've beat is Frank Reich. But if you look at the teams that they've beaten, Eddie, D'Amico Ryans once, Mike Vrabel twice, Tomlin, Bulls, Harbaugh, New Pierce, Harbaugh probably more special teams than anything. Uh, the coaches they've lost to, the offensive guys, Doug Peterson twice, Zach Taylor, Arthur Smith, uh, Kevin Stefanski. Sean McVay. I mean, like, it's wild when you break down the schedule and 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 look at it like that. Good news is, it's a defensive coach coming up on Saturday night <laughs> inside your own building there. But that's another thing that's just I don't know, it's just kind of a little oddity to this season. Another major oddity is this: the Houston Texans have won seven straight road games in the AFC South. They won three games all last year. All three of them were road AFC South games.
0: Of course, the infamous finale last year at Lucas Oil Stadium. Sure.
1: How about the infamous game in Nashville a couple weeks ago? How that crazy was Lovie that? Levy Smith, finished? yeah. And then they won in Jacksonville earlier this year. I mean, so. That's like, damn!
0: How wild is that? Levy Smith gets fired for winning a game against the Colts because they miss out on getting Bryce Young. Turns out they get C.J. Stroud, and C.J. Stroud's been the best rookie quarterback out of the class.
1: That finish was just epic. I mean, it was, was just such... The, the, the Hail Marys, the fourth downs, Davis Mills converted on that final drive, going for two, all of it. Um, just I, thought I, was,
0: I thought I was drunk watching that game, and I was like, Literally. Nope, nope, I'm sober, haven't had a drink yet.
1: Anything else, Colts-Texans, specific to you that you're really keeping an eye on? I know Houston's had a bit of a resurgence mm-hmm. with their run game, going more to Singletary. They've done a nice job stopping the run this year. Of course, the Colts had the big run, run performance against them week two. That was heavy Zach Boss. Remember, that was the Moss playing every snap but one yeah. in that game. Uh, his first game of the season. does look like Moss is going to give it a go here coming up on uh, on Saturday. But anything else Colts-Texans related for you?
0: I'm interested to see how Derek Stingley Jr. does against Michael Pittman Jr. Because Stingley's had a fine second year. Yeah, a lot of Texans fans Eastern. thought he should have been a pro bowler. Um, five interceptions right now. He's, uh, he's in the middle pack in terms of tackles. But he's had a really good year um, in his second year. It is his second year, right? Or is it I his third? So. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: But yeah, I'm interested to see how that goes, um, and can they challenge the the Texans vertically with Alec Pierce again? Because I think Colin um, Granton had a big. Was it Kylan or was it Will Mallory that had the big catch down in Houston? I think it was, it was Will Mallory.
1: Coverage to Mallory. If yeah. I remember correctly. So how
0: many of those big plays can generate? And again, Jalen
1: Petry did not play in right. that Week Two game, so you know that was an area that certainly was a hindrance to, to Houston. Um, Last thing I'll add is this. These opportunities don't grow grow on trees. Um, You know, you think back to the Colts' season. Seven wins is where I had them pegged. I kind of had them backdooring their way into seven wins, Eddie. You know, I did not think they would be a, you know, whatever, uh, be five and five at some point in the season or whatever. And then, hey, they're still in playoff race. If they win a couple here. um, No, I I thought they kind of win some games late and get to seven wins. But still... uh, you know, you, you, you never thought this would be what's happening here. Come Saturday night. Um, but I think back to you know, my opinion it's the biggest game in Lucas O in nine years. Okay, think back in the last nine years. Twenty fifteen Colts. They were pegged as a Super Bowl team by a lot of people. Yep. They had the AFC title game the year before, Andre Johnson, Trent Cole, Frank Gore, et cetera, et cetera. Boom, they fall flat on their face two weeks of the season and they don't make the playoffs. Twenty sixteen. Okay, all right. Run it back. We're gonna be fine. You know, Luck's not gonna be as 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 injured, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. That's a 500 football team. Um, you know, you go back to 2021. That was a team that, you know, at times, Jonathan Taylor was the best player in the NFL. And as much as we remember Carson Wentz late in that season, it's not like he was horrifically bad throughout.
0: How about uh, him getting the start? By the way,
1: I love that. I need Ram- I need Stafford to get hurt early in the playoff game. Rams at Eagles. Somehow need that to happen. Wentz could go in the game.
0: Oh, okay. I need it. I was going to say I'd rather have Stafford go to Detroit first.
1: No, 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 no. Detroit fans now, too nice. Eagles um, fans need Well, segments. I was
0: going to say then those two line up match up later in the playoffs. Okay, a- All NFC right. championship game. I, if it I gets could, to that point.
1: Now we're now we're talking a little bit. Although I have a financial stake in the Cowboys, but I could I could somewhat get behind that. But again, Eddie, 2015, 2016, aspirations very high. Don't make the playoffs. 2021. I think aspirations were certainly higher than this year, and you don't make it. So it gets back to these opportunities don't grow on trees. AFC South's going to be tougher moving Mm. forward. Mm -hmm. Your schedule's going to be tougher. Uh, We think Anthony Richardson is a hit, but you still just don't truly, truly know how his career arc is going to go. So that's where you get into this one-and-done nature. And, boy, these opportunities are great. And I don't think a win means you're set up for five to ten years of a great, great run, I don't think a loss means that all of a sudden this season was an utter disappointment and you're, you're going to have failures for five to ten years. But there sh- I think there should be kind of a stinging bummer if Saturday night goes against you or you don't win that game. And and honestly, it might, just, it might not be Saturday night. It might be more of a, you think back to losing to P.J. Walker or losing to Taylor Heineke or losing to Jake Browning, and those are the games that maybe... You think back on a little bit more because, I mean, Stroud is what? I mean, he's the best quarterback since who? I think Baker Mayfield was a totally different quarterback after that ankle injury against you. I, I'd go back to Stafford, maybe Lawrence. He's better than Derek Carr.
0: I'd probably go. I would probably go Stafford.
1: Yeah, that's that's quite a long time ago.
0: So week two, week three,
1: Uh week three, four, four, four,
0: is four? Where I was going, four. Cooper
1: Cup was out for the first four, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I. Uh, what what an opportunity though! What what an opportunity in your building to try and get a taste of it, get to a little bit of one and done, and see what happens, and you know see how this jolt injects your franchise. Again, you're still gonna have to build without question. Eddie, Chuck Pagano and Frank Reich both made the playoffs in year one. hmm Frank Reich won a playoff game in year one. Yeah. It doesn't mean. I mean. Talk to Vikings fans right now. Talk to Giants fans right now about last year and their playoff appearances, playoff success, and how the second years have gone for those regimes, for Kevin O'Connell and Brian Dable. It doesn't guarantee anything. But, again, it's a taste of it, and it's a beautiful opportunity awaiting you come Saturday night.
0: Yeah, I don't remember the exact number, but it will certainly extend this season regarding – the streak of first-time coaches or first-year coaches making the playoffs—it's been around since the early 2000s. So it's really? been—I think it's like—I want to say it's 17. Well,
1: maybe. I mean, one of these two teams will make the playoffs, right? I guess there's still a chance to the, they could tie, and the Steelers could somehow stick their way
0: in. Why more would more you? Uh, why would you just throw? Didn't these like
1: teams that? tie last year?
0: Yes. Week one, 2020.
1: And they would have tied week 18 if Lovey didn't go for the – or they would have been in <laughs> overtime, I should say. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Remember Raiders-Chargers a few years ago, Eddie? Yes. The end of that season? They
0: yeah. Tie, they uh, both make it? The Raiders you know, decide to kick the field goal? That was with Rich Bisaccia, if I remember correctly.
1: Who beat the Colts here in week 17.
0: And they then later on went to the playoffs. Cincy, right? And yes. gave Cincy
1: everything they could kind of handle there. Yeah. Early on, um, okay. Anything else before we get to Twitter questions and then our picks? Uh, not a lot of Twitter questions, but let's uh, let's handle the few that we got.
0: Uh, Quentin Nelson, Pro Bowl nod that came out yesterday.
1: Yeah, and I thought Zaire Franklin deserved it. Um, some will counter and say where are the splash plays. I don't see a ton of splash plays for Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen either. So I don't. That one does not check for me. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I thought that a stronger case. I will say, Eddie, I probably undersold Keenan Allen's year. In it With an injury, riddle, only playing 13 games, he put up some big numbers. Oh, yeah. In those 13 games. So I don't know if Pittman is one of the four, but still, those two were two that I thought. You know, Nelson, when you think about it, first player in Colts history, six Pro Bowls in his first six years, and uh, I believe fourth offensive lineman ever to have done that. Zach Martin, Indy Zone, legend also. On that list, Joe Thomas as well. So, pretty darn impressive from Quentin Nelson there. And yeah, you know, I know people bitch and moan. You know, Pro Bowl. Who cares? There's politics. It's a third fan. It's a third uh, third fan, a third coach, and a third player. So no media votes on Pro Bowl. It matters to guys. Guys care about it.
0: Contractually, guys care about it too. I, I would assume. There's some
1: incentives built in. I saw Buda Baker, five hundred thousand for that. So,
0: that's a wild one that made it in by the way.
1: Yeah, guy that has been, you know, banged up as well. So, um
0: 19. Yeah, quit Nelson
1: again. I I think deserved. I would probably vote I probably put like Franklin Pittman Nelson, Buckner, if I was making my list.
0: weren't Franklin Buckner Kelly yeah. and uh Pittman named as alternates?
1: Yeah, those are the four alternates. The 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 sheet that I saw, I don't think I don't think a single Colt player finished top 10 in fan voting on the sheet that I saw. Um, at one point, I think Buckner was up there. I think Nelson was—I think Franklin was even up there. Julian Blackman, I think, was even up there. But I don't think any of them finished top 10 at their respective uh, spots. I, Nelson kind of surprises me. I think Nelson's actually one of the more household names, you know, for a guard around the NFL. But he wasn't even top 10, but still made it. So, Yeah, Quint Nelson, the lone Pro Bowl.
0: 19 consecutive seasons, a first-year head coach has made the playoffs. There you go. It will be extended to 20 when the Colts win on Saturday.
1: (laughs) Oh, that early pick from Eddie Garrison.
0: Yeah.
2: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips.
0: We've got a handful of Twitter questions, so let's get to them. Jake is up first. Glad to hear Eddie got his reseason happy. The Colts took care of business against the Raiders. And uh, by the way, still have a few left over. Really? That, yeah.
1: Good for you. Yeah.
0: Put them in the freezer, and I've been pacing myself yeah, with him. Genius. Um. Anyway, Jake's question says, Back in October, he asked if Shane Steiker could reach the 10-win landmark that his recent predecessors were able to reach in their rookie years as head coaches. After Anthony Richardson went down, Jake thought there was no way that could happen. But here we are. What do the Colts have to do to get a win over the Texans and make the playoffs?
1: Yeah, again, I'm going to go back to the D-line. That, to me, sets up the entire tone. You know What was the mantra on C.J. Stroud coming out? Of Ohio State. Too easy for him. Too clean. You disrupt him. You get him off script. He won't be the creator. I think that's a little bit of a false narrative, but I still think the root of that makes some sense. Like That is how you try and rattle him. Because if you give him time, more so than Bryce Young, more so than Anthony Richardson, more so than Will Levis, hell, more so than probably 95% of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, if you give him time, the ball placement specialist which he, used that phrase, what, a mere 100 yards from the entrance to Lucas Oil Stadium back in February, he will do that again. And he will slice and dice you and pick you apart. So for me, Eddie, that's where I start. Um, And I just think as long as you stay away from catastrophic offensively, I think you'll be able to move it. I think you'll be able to do enough. Uh, Again, Houston incredibly banged up on their D-line. But, yeah. I would go there.
0: Three questions left. I got one that's not on our rundown Cup. to get to you. It's pertaining to this week's game, so we'll bookend with that one. Uh, Craig and Chris are up next, both questions pertaining to the Raiders. Craig asks, or well, first states that the Colts are lucky. They are not good. Bad teams make boneheaded plays. Just so happens the Raiders made more bad plays, such as pass interference on the last drive and offsides, etc. cetera. God, how the dumb is feature- the
1: offsides, Eddie? Yeah. I mean gosh. The future looks bright. That gay should send that dude a Christmas present next year.
0: Oh yeah. The future looks bright because of Shane Steichen and Anthony Richardson, but I sure hope the Colts can trade for a dude or two in the offseason.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. On the back part. I first off to Craig's earlier point, And the Raiders I think have been pretty good at this Eddie before Sunday. What's the Bob Knight quote? A victory favors a team who makes the fewest mistakes, something along those lines. There's an element of that at every level of sport, even professional sports. Um, you know, I'll probably stand by my thought on the Colts, even with a win on Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday. I think, by and large, it's a pretty average football team that's feasted on a favorable schedule, benefited maybe from a favorable schedule. Eddie, you can point to different metrics. You know, I'll go to a Chris Ballard metric. Ballard is a big believer in point differential. Kind of shows you where you're at within the league. I think I looked it up after the Raiders game. The Colts are 19th in point differential, so that's a little below average. Um, if you look at you know, the DVOA ranks, a little bit more of the analytics, football outsiders, some of that stuff. I think they're they hover right around 18th or 19th in that as well. So. Um, Again, it's probably an average football team that's benefited from a schedule. The beauty of it is with the expansion of the playoffs, I mean, hell, average gets you in almost. You know, 14 of 32. I know Mm -hmm. it's not 16 of 32, but it gets you in. Um, To Craig's last point he makes, I mean, yes, you cannot, there cannot be an element of complacency no matter what happens on a Saturday night, especially a win. Especially a win. Um, You have got to continue to build, bolster, fortify, realize you've got a quarterback on a rookie contract, or realize you don't have to pay Bernard Ryman this offseason, realize that you probably aren't paying an edge rusher because pay hasn't emerged, but still, you're not paying that for a couple of years. You're not paying a corner, big-time money. I mean, even Kenny Moore's not going to make huge, huge money on another contract there. So, um, Yeah, the, the, there cannot be a drop of complacency, even with a season in which you have probably overachieved. Uh, not not even properly. You definitely have from a win-loss standpoint.
0: Chris would like to know why Gus Bradley did not double-team Devontae Adams last week. It was obvious he was O'Connell's first read for the most part of the game, especially in the red zone. This is why he cannot come back to Indianapolis. Devontae Adams had 21 targets. God,
1: I couldn't believe that. 21? Was, thir- was
0: it
1: 13 catches? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, that's uh, (laughs) 21 targets. You know, you, you. I think not to speak to Gus, but I I don't think you wanted to expose the youth on the islands.
0: Gardner Minshew threw the ball 23 times. That's absurd. Just put that in.
1: Brandon Marshall that had 21 catches against the Colts way back in the day.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes.
1: Is it Dolphin? Maybe a dolphin when he did
0: that? It was either a bear, dolphin, or jet. I can't remember which.
1: Was he a Bronco at one point?
0: And a Bronco, yeah.
1: Um I, I would say that is probably why Gustin do it. He didn't want to leave the young guys on islands. And you know, whatever. It's getting the I don't know if Jacoby Myers is a guy over the top, but what's the kid from Cincinnati? Tucker, is that his last name? I'm trying to think of you know trying to take a shot down the field with some of those guys on islands. Troy Tucker? A, yeah. Eleven, right? Mm hmm. Um I think that I was wasn't Myers. Probably a reason. I thought you needed a little bit more from the pass rush. Some might say that you're nitpicking there. But, Eddie, I think Aiden O'Connell moves as fast as I do. Like, I think he's a statue. (laughs) I mean, two sacks and six hits, I I honestly was thinking a little bit more. Because I was a Raiders whole line that was a little banged up. So, you know, a question that I do have for Saturday night is this. And it's for both teams. You brought up Derek Stingley on Michael Pittman earlier. You know, Nico Collins, especially with Robert Woods and Noah Brown banged up, that's the guy. You know John Mechie in an expanded role I mean it'd be a hell of a story honestly it'd be a Hollywood story of John Mechie somehow delivered um, for the Texans and they and they got in the playoffs but um, you know I, I don't know if there's a lot of faith in what else the Texans have from a wide out core and so you know again the Colts have not really done this but do you put Kenny Moore on to Nico Collins in, in some of those moments there so I think that'll be something that I'm watching for.
0: He was with the Denver Broncos when he did that. He was a Bronco. Yes, okay. he was a Bronco. I, mean,
1: I knew there was some orange. I, I thought it was a dolphin, maybe.
0: It happened December 13th of 2009. 21 catches on 28 targets. Do you know who was throwing him the football in that game? Or can you guess?
1: Not Osweiler, was it?
0: No. What year is this? 2009. Cutler. Ooh, good guess. No. Not color. Who wasn't? Kyle Orton.
1: Ah, oh, legend. Absolute legend.
0: Now inversely here, go on the Colts side of this. Do you know who the leading receiver in the game was for the Colts?
1: Oh nine. I mean Reggie would be an obvious guess. Um, let's go outside the box. Let's go uh let's go Austin Collie.
0: Oh. Another excellent guess. Joseph and
1: a die, a die, a die.
0: He and Dallas Clark both had five catches, but six yards was the difference. 49 for a die, 43 for Dallas Clark. Uh, you
1: said you got one more question
0: before we get I do. Finish. I was just trying to test your knowledge.
1: I don't know. No. They certainly tested it.
0: From 15 years ago. <laughs> um, I got this Twitter question, Twix question, uh, yesterday. This one comes from Adam. Earlier in the week, defensive coordinator Gus Bradley was talking about how even though the stats may suggest that C.J. Stroud holds on to the football for a good portion of time, um, he's still quick when he gets rid of the football when they go to the quick hitters. So his question was, is this an advantage for the Colts' pass rush on Sunday?
1: In that Stroud holds on to it a little bit more?
0: Yeah, even though Gus Bradley says like the time it takes stroud to pass i think it's like four or 3.05 it's like the fourth worst in the nfl or fourth longest in the nfl gus bradley said it was misleading so uh his question is if you know if that's true that it is 3.05 and it's not even though bradley says it is misleading does it advance does it it give an advantage to colt's pass rush yeah i I,
1: you know part of me looks at that stat one of two ways you know hold on to it uh does that mean you're indecisive does that mean you you don't know where you go with it i i probably look at it a little bit more of eddie if cj stroud is able to hold on to it for that long and the secondary's got that type of youth movement i don't think that's good for the colts no. i think you want to speed stroud up and so that's where i get back to the d line and your ability to create pressure early on and just disrupt timing and make him get rid of it i thought Stroud's too talented, man. He's just too talented of a guy. If you give him time, um, I think he will find some areas to kind of pick you apart. So that to me is more speed the clock up more than
0: anything. Yeah, I said this a few pods ago about how it's always easier for guys when you face zone and there's no like chaotic or confusing looks that you present the quarterback pre-snap. Right. right. And if you just let him have as much time as you want, hell, you and I could go out there and Find sure. an open receiver in his own defense.
1: Sure, sure. No, I, I think that's pretty well said. All right, Mr. Garrison, it's time to make our picks, Colts and Texans.
0: Okay, um, before I make my pick, has Max Bowen made his?
1: Max Bowen has not made a selection yet. Um, he's all business this week. Um, he knows what's at stake. The man, the man, the 15-month-old, soon-to-be-16-month-old here in a few days, uh, he's got eight in a row. Eight in a row, correct. Um, it is incredible. The amount of attention that has gone towards this young child and his selection and fate is decided on Saturday night, right? I had a member of the Colts text me earlier in the week and goes, if Max picks the Colts, he can bang the anvil. <laughs> <laughs> now there would need to be some setup of like a ball.
0: Is that bribery?
1: Bear. I think it is. A Barbie. He, he loves the bees. If you put all those on the anvil, I think he would actually bang it. Maybe some raspberries.
0: Oh, you, he loves raspberries.
1: Yeah, you put all that on the anvil, you could hear that anvil bang up in, you know, Nova Scotia. So he has not made his selection yet. I'm trying to think earlier this year if he put Colts or Texans. I thought he might have taken the Texans earlier this year. So, yeah, we'll have to see where where he goes. That man has gotten eight right. Eight straight right.
0: Remarkable. You
1: you going or am I going?
0: You go first.
1: Hey, you've kind of already hinted at your pick. I think... I think C.J. Stroud's really, really good, Eddie. Really, really good.
0: Oh no, are you about um, to do what I think you're about to do? And or is there a but?
1: I think it's the best quarterback the team has faced in multiple months. But and I feel like he is talented enough to be the difference maker in such a monumental game, an atmosphere kind of unlike really anything else, which is so rare to say about a rookie quarterback.
0: Where's that, the butt Kevin?
1: The injury report for Houston's ugly. And it's ugly in areas that directly impact the game, like the positional value of it. You know, it's not like they're missing a guard or you know, uh, you know, he's a whatever a, a safety as a split uh, split starter. I mean, we're talking their top four sack guys and their number two and three wideouts, right now on it. So I do not see another area on the field where Houston has substantial enough of an advantage or an advantage at, at all. Um, so I think the Colts will get it done. I think it's going to be very close. Um, I think your D-line makes an extra play or two on an opposing offensive line that I don't think is very good that is the difference in this one. And just kind of subtle plays. Is it a Grover Stewart run stop on a third and short? You know, that sort of play that might not, you know, eye pop to us or be shown on the highlights the next morning but that's the play. So um, I will say 27-26 27-26 Colts.
0: Oh, wow. You're going one point.
1: One point. You got one?
0: I do. I have Colts, 23, Texans, 20. That's where I was going.
1: Anything stand out to you?
0: In terms of the matchups?
1: Yeah, Any? any what was the reason?
0: I think Josh Downs is going to end up being the difference maker. And uh, last week, when I gave my pick on Quarring Company... May have explained it here too. I can't recall. I just feel like in these situations so far this season, Shane Steichen has been such, so accountable in terms of you know that he's going to have this team prepared and ready to go. And I, I couldn't tell you the last time that I have felt confidence in the head coach to have the team ready and you know they're going to put their best foot forward in a game they have to win. And that's how I felt last week coming off that Falcons loss because the, the way the team responded after Cincinnati, they came back and won um, and against Tennessee. Tennessee, right? They all just blend together at this point.
1: Uh, Well, come back from Cincinnati, was Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, come back, that's yeah. what Raiders. Yeah, yeah,
0: Pittsburgh, you played your best game of football and then of course, you bounce back with the win over the Raiders. So I just have a lot of trust and faith in Shane Steichen that he will have this team ready. And I think this team has fully bought in to him as a coach in the way he prepares, in the way that they should prepare, in the way they have to approach this week.
1: I think one other subplot I have is going back to Will Anderson Jr. Eddie, you think back to that Browns game a few weeks ago when Amari Cooper absolutely torched Houston. Flacco, 42 pass attempts in that game. He was sacked zero times. 42 pass attempts. Joe Flacco, zero times. No Will Anderson Jr. in that matchup. Can he play 12 snaps against the Titans? Two sacks and six hurries. If you extrapolate that out, hell, to half of that the rest of the game, that would be a Hall of Fame type performance from him. How much can he play? How much did that hurt him? He has not practiced this week. Where is he at? I guess is a huge question that I have because I think if he's healthy and can simulate some of that that could be the difference in the game in favoring the Houston Texans but should be in hell of an atmosphere inside of Lucas Oil Stadium cannot believe we were talking about this on Saturday night but we are it is Colts and Texans 8-15 we will be back Monday no matter what happens to either recap a trip to Buffalo or Kansas City, a home game versus the Cleveland Browns, or the start to the 2024 offseason. Eddie Garrison, have a great rest of your week, great weekend. I'm Kevin Bowen signing off, everybody. Thank you for listening to Kevin's Corner.